Hello and welcome back to episode two of our Conflict and Bob's Burgers mini-series. Today we are going to be talking about emotions in conflict. It is almost impossible to have conflict without emotions involved. In fact, some would argue that conflict starts with emotion. I kind of mentioned this in the last episode. It's my personal opinion that it starts with conflicting interests and goals. Um, but I would acknowledge that the way that a conflict plays out is dependent on the emotions. That being said, Carmen, I have a question for you. Okay. What are some of the emotions that you first think of when you hear the word conflict? Oh, um, jealousy, anger, abandonment, maybe. I don't know. Mostly negative, to be honest. I mean, not negative. I won't call those emotions negative. That's a post-structuralist trap. They're just emotions. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what well, I mean. <laughs> we, can, we can pull it back a little bit for the sake of this episode. So yeah, those are kind of negative emotions. Most people think of the ones that you said. Anger, abandonment, jealousy, maybe frustration, disgust, maybe even exhaustion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have, <laughs> yeah. But have you ever stopped to think about any positive emotions connected with conflict? Like, if you really have to think about it, can you name some positive emotions? Um, I mean, maybe, yeah, like, uh, love for sure, um, and support, and, um, I don't know, it, it, I'm, I'm sure, surprise, maybe? <laughs> I don't know if those are yeah. emotions. They are. No, those are absolutely emotions. Yeah. Um, some people might feel excitement when they're winning an argument or maybe satisfaction when someone they're in a conflict with gets some sort of comeuppance, mm. right? Yes. And pretty much everybody, most, most people anyway, feel happiness and relief when a conflict is resolved, which also kind of ties into interesting goals, right? Like we've all heard the phrase, oh, I just want this to be over from a friend who is yes. going through conflict. Yeah. Because there are so many emotions at play in conflict, there's this idea that emotion is bad for conflict. And those who act, quote, rationally are the ones that are able to resolve conflict most effectively. This is actually not true. Hmm. The authors of the book that I have been studying out of mentions that in ancient times, anger was labeled as the moral emotion because it is based on a fast, reflective judgment that we have been wronged or threatened. Wow. And in more modern contexts, researchers Karpinen, King, and Russell did a study on negative feelings in conflict and discovered that people who experienced anger actually did a better job of taking reparative action towards the person they were in conflict with, which I found really interesting. Like... If you're angry, you're more likely to make things up to the person that you're in conflict with. Wow. Um, I know. <laughs> like, surprise. <laughs> we do still need to be careful with our emotions because there are still negative emotions that are, like, better for resolving conflict than others. Um, these same researchers, Carpenin, King, and Russell, also studied disgust and contempt alongside anger and discovered that disgust and contempt um, were actively harmful towards making reparations. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of a check yourself before you wreck yourself situation, but 
Yeah. Okay. It, it's so funny that you bring this up and you can cut this if you want, but I watched, I, I, I saw Napoleon last night with Michael and it depicted Napoleon as a much more emotional man than a lot of history books would have you really believe, or um, a lot more emotional man than a lot of red pillars would want to believe. Um, <laughs> and, I've, and, and then I'm reading the, the prequel to the Hunger Games, that Songbirds and Snakes book. And there's a moment mm-hmm. where the head game maker says, wars are won in the brain and not the heart. And I was like, a bull crap on that. Because there is really, and this is, I'm talking about the, the largest scale of conflict you can imagine, full out war. But there yeah. is, there is, there was, I, I don't know if this is how it actually happened, but if I can assume that the movie was trying to be historically accurate, there was anger on Napoleon's side, but never disgust and contempt. In fact, he re- really respected and and really valued the effort and fight that his his enemies put put in you know and it was just it's just interesting because you have to have you have to have your heart in arguments no matter what they are or else why are you like are you you're fighting to be right or you're fight are you fighting to be right or are you fighting to like find a resolution that makes someone feel better that's the difference i think and I mean, exactly. I won't go. I won't go praising white con- conquest or what are the what are their names? Um, conquistadors. Conquistadors. Or... I won't go. I won't go praising war heroes. You know, you won't see me doing that. But I really do think there is something to be said for having your heart in something and um, not just trying to logically. Anyway, whatever. Weird tangent. No, I love it though because like we want to be able to apply it to the things that we interact with, mm-hmm. and. I think that's actually also a really good segue into talking about positive emotions in a conflict because they also have a really important role. In a 2003 article by Barbara Fredrickson about positive emotions, she talks about how people who maintain positive emotions outside of negative experiences are more likely to bounce back faster from the emotions that happen during those experiences. Um, Will Mott also notes that those who cultivate positive emotions, such as love, joy, happiness, and laughter, tend to approach conflict with a broader scope of the situation and use more creative solutions to resolve it. It's also a useful tool when we're talking about long-term conflict. Remember, we're not just talking about arguments or one-time instances of conflict, but all sorts of conflict. It's possible to be in the middle of a conflict with like a friend or a coworker or a loved one that is ongoing and people who use humor, contentment and language of understanding are generally able to navigate conflict better than those that use frustration or and this is like the worst case scenario, violence to try to resolve an issue. So we're talking about instances where like maybe you're just trying to talk through things with somebody that you like and you go, "Man, I did kind of look like a clown when I did that, didn't I? Like, poking fun at yourself, taking a little bit of just, like, lightheartedness, even if it's a little forced, like, trying to force that in can really, really help a situation. Mm. And even if you're not trying to approach something with, like, humor or lightheartedness, still using language of togetherness really helps. Saying things like, I'm glad we're able to tackle this together. Or saying like hey i think we deserve a treat once we're done with this (laughs) just suggesting that things are going to be okay because you see each other on equal grounds it really really goes a long way yeah that's a really good idea (laughs) it it really also helps frame conflict 
in a way that like is easy to work through even when it doesn't feel like it's a life or death situation. Most of our conflicts aren't life or death situations. 99.9% of them are mm -hmm. not, right? Um, and a lot of them are like maybe conflicts that we don't realize are conflicts, but that when we frame it in a way of like, hey, we have goals that are not meshing with each other, um, identifying our emotions in that situation can really help us work through that. So all this being said, there are two big things that I want to point out and make sure that everybody remembers. If you only take two things out of learning about emotions and conflict from this, these are the two that you need to know, right? Mm -hmm. So the first is every person's emotions are real. One of the worst things that you can do in an interpersonal conflict is tell someone what they are supposed to be feeling or telling them that they shouldn't be feeling a certain way. And I can guarantee that not only have has every single person who's listening to this been on the receiving end of that, they have probably also been on the giving end of that. Like, yeah. I can tell you that I have done that before. Yeah, me too. It's, it's real crappy when you do it and you realize what you did. Yeah. And I really like the way that the book frames this and says that every person's emotions are real. It doesn't try to do like slang or colloquialism. They're not like, you know, oh, valid, right? Mm -hmm. But they do say like, hey, like that person is actually feeling that way. Just because maybe you don't identify or you don't think that they should feel that way doesn't mean that it isn't real. The second takeaway is being aware of your own feelings as just as important, if not more important than understanding the emotions of the person you're in conflict with. Emotions cause a physiological response in ourselves, whether we want them to or not, and being aware of how our bodies are reacting to our emotions can really help us navigate conflict. Mm -hmm. When we're angry, we might feel hot or shaky, or when we're upset, we might cry. Like, personally, I cry a lot in conflict. Like, I'm just an all-around emotional crier, so I'm probably going to cry no matter what the emotion is once it reaches a certain threshold. Me too. Happy sad, angry. I cannot tell you how many times like I got so upset at work and I started crying and like And you're like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, I, I mean I don't know if you you're know. that I don't know if you're that harsh on yourself, but whenever it happens to me, like the smallest thing, I got accused of tr of cheating in the New York Times crossword puzzle. And I like I for it was such a small thing, but I was like, how dare you? <laughs> No, it's, but it's like, it's real though. And there is that overwhelming sense of like being indignant, right? Like, how dare you accuse me of being, and this ties back even to goals, right? Like mm -hmm. your identity goals are someone who can do that on their own. Someone who's smart enough to be able to do a New York Times crossword exactly. puzzle on their own. Right? And when you feel threatened like that, like you start to feel emotions that are just overwhelming yeah um and and it's important to keep in mind because these physiological responses also dictate our actions right when someone is angry they might need to take a walk in order to like quote cool down or when someone is scared or surprised they might get an adrenaline rush and need to run away in order to work that through their system 
I am guilty of that latter. Like, I have gotten so surprised or, like, so frustrated that my adrenaline starts to spike and I just have to leave the room. And it stinks because it feels almost like, you know, you you don't want to be a coward, right? Like, you don't want to walk away from a conflict. But But you're not doing any good staying there unless you give yourself the time to identify your emotions and at least try to reach a baseline so that you can start talking, you know, you can Mm -hmm. start talking again without crying, which, again, not a problem if you cry, but it just usually adds an element that makes the conversation and the conflict just a little bit more difficult. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So... We've covered emotion. Let's talk about Bob's Burgers. Okay. What episode are we talking about? We are talking about Bob Actually, a little anthology of a bunch of love stories between all the Bob's Burgers characters. It is a spoof of Love Actually, so it kind of follows that format of lots of little stories going on. So this episode, um, we have... We have four to five stories. Um, Louise, the youngest child, is dealing with having to tell her friend that a girl he is interested is not interested in him and is, in fact, using him. Um, And that one ends rather sweetly. He wants his first kiss with this girl. And Louise, who really isn't very interested in Rudy, maybe, gives him his first kiss. And it's a really tender moment. And she threatens him if he tells anyone. And so she stays true to herself. (laughs) Very cute. Very cute. Um, and then we have Tina and Jimmy Jr. who want to experience a sky kiss, which is pretty much just kissing on a trampoline. Um, but Tina has the chili poops and can't jump (laughs) on the trampoline. So, you know, she has to figure that out. And then we have Jean who's in love with a much older woman, um, that it's just never, never going to happen kind of a thing. And then last is the story about Bob who is trying to please his wife by taking dance classes and, um having his own bobbish struggles through all of those and they all have fairly happy endings um yeah it's a tender episode yeah i love it i think it's a really good episode that we can talk about conflict and emotions for both like negative emotions and positive emotions Mm -hmm. the a plot of the episode is louise and the secondary character regular sized rudy Um, He is probably Louise's closest friend throughout the series, and he's just, like, a really sweet kid. He has severe asthma. He has divorced parents. The more that we learn about him, the more you just, like, grow to love him as being just, you know, a little guy that you want to protect, right? Scrappy, yeah. (laughs) And and I think that we kind of see Louise evolve throughout the series as somebody who kind of wants to protect him, too. Mm Mm-hmm. So the episode really kind of starts getting into full swing when the kids arrive at school and they see one of the characters selling little, he calls them like bouquets of flowers. They're actually weeds that he picks and he says, no, yeah, weed bundles. No, weeds are just flowers growing in the wrong places. (laughs) And Rudy and Louise are watching him sell these. And Louise is very anti-Valentine's. She does not want anything to do with it. So she kind of makes this comment to Rudy, and he is like, oh yeah, you know, I agree, haha, and he runs off. Um, Louise finds out later that Rudy ran off because he actually wanted to buy a little weed bundle, 
and he had made a little card for somebody. And Louise at first thinks that it's her. She's like, oh no, Rudy's in love with me. How do I feel about this? Discomfort and confusion. <laughs> yeah. She feels a deep-seated discomfort and she tries to like turn him off by talking about like eating her boogers <laughs> in front of him and he is just like so supportive of her he's like no I'm not interested for myself but the whites of your eyes are looking really bright and your nail beds look good so I guess it's working for you oh my gosh he his emotions towards Louise are just like they're so tender. They're nothing but kindness and friendship. And he finds so much joy and happiness in being with her, mm-hmm. which really just informs the, the dynamic between the two so much throughout the entire series, but also particularly in this episode. Mm-hmm. Louise finds out that the flowers in the card are not actually for her, but they are for another classmate that they have named Chloe. And her Rudy has fallen in love. Immediately changed. <laughs> yes, her emotions go from discomfort. confusion, discomfort to like I'm not gonna say jealousy, but definitely confusion. But right? yeah, confused, like confused. It, it is jealousy. It is even though even if she can't see it and she is not interested in Rudy, she's annoyed that he wouldn't be because he's they're closer than. He, he and Chloe are like it's totally jealousy even if she doesn't that's true yeah yeah you're right totally so Louise agrees to hand off this little weed bundle and card to Chloe in their shared science class and when she gives this to Chloe Chloe just kind of sets these two things aside without even looking at them And Louise realizes that Chloe has just been using Rudy for answers to, like, test questions and homework questions. So now her emotions are that of anger and frustration that Rudy can't see that he's being used. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What else do you think she starts to feel? I think, what would be the word for justice-y? like maybe justified Mm. she's like i was right you know like she wasn't good for him yeah so she tries to tell chloe like hey you need to tell rudy what's going on like you're using him and chloe is not having any of it she's like no i'm getting what i want out of this relationship why should i change what i'm doing we find out that the card that Rudy asked Louise to give Chloe is asking Chloe to meet him at the playground after school so that they can share a Valentine's kiss. And not only will this be a Valentine's kiss, it'll be Rudy's first kiss. So it's really important to him. So he has the emotions of like hopefulness and I'm not going to say love, Mm -hmm. but like, He's besotted with her, with Chloe, right? Like, he has this ideal in his head that he's enamored with, um, and it's not actually who she is. When Louise realizes what's going on, she tries to tell Chloe, like, hey, you need to do this thing. At least give him the Valentine's kiss. He has helped you out on homework. You've led him on. This This, is really special and really meaningful. (laughs) Yeah, she's she recognizes that this would be really meaningful to Rudy. And Chloe is just like, no, 
No. No. So Louise ends up going to the playground after school, and she feels a lot of, I think, like, inner confliction. She feels a responsibility to take care of Rudy, too. Like, she feels like, she feels like if his heart breaks, she's going to hurt, too, seeing him hurt. (laughs) She's like yeah. for for a little psychopath in in the show. She she feels really really hard for Rudy. It's really sweet. It really is, even if she doesn't recognize it. Which like, also just side note, I think she's supposed to be like eight. Yeah, so of course nine. she's not. She's not legitimately like, crushing on boys. No. Yeah. No, and she really is just like, like you said, she she's a little psychotic. <laughs> She's she's very selfish, but like, eh, which nine-year-old isn't? So she goes to the playground, and she has to break the news to Rudy. Chloe's not in love with you. She led you on. It's not real. You need to snap out of it. When she sees how disappointed Rudy is, she gets that feeling of sympathy, empathy, and just kind of like, yeah, that shared heartbreak, right? She had to hurt Rudy, and it hurt herself. So, she does a really sweet thing. She ends up giving him a Valentine's kiss, which you can tell immediately makes her feel more conflict, more inner conflict, <laughs> maybe a little bit of embarrassment, because what does she do? You tell anyone She slaps him. <laughs> oh my gosh, I forgot that she slaps him. <laughs> yep. She slaps him and she says, tell anybody about this and I will end you. And then she just walks off. Oh. I love the way that this just shows how there is a full spectrum of emotion that can be involved in conflict and how it involves the different characters' actions. So that is all we're going to cover for this episode, emotion and conflict. But I really like talking about emotion with conflict because, as I said earlier, I think that there's a lot of... There's this misconception that you have to be rational when approaching conflict in order to navigate it in a way that is like, you know, most efficient, most effective. And that's just could not be further from the truth. Next episode, we are going to be talking, we're going to be kind of shifting gears quite a bit. We're talking about emotion this episode. We talked about emotion this episode. Next episode, we're actually going to be talking about power. Yes, it's a very funny episode called The Odor Games. Um, Odor is referring to Mr. Fish Odor, who is Bob and Linda's landlord. Yeah, it's a really fascinating episode, and I think a really good one when we're talking about power dynamics. So, looking forward to it. I will see you next episode. Me too. Bye. Bye. (laughs)